So we've uh, had three previous lessons on a particular resurrection that we're referring to as the rapture, a calling away or gathering together of the Lord's uh, saints. And uh, we really won't go back and review all those, uh, those but we'll... Uh, uh, be looking more this morning uh, who will be part of the resurrection, not the resurrection, I think we looked at that, but who will be more a part of, of the bribe. But we talked about uh, who, who would be taken out already. We talked about when the resurrection will be, not by the calendar and a date, but after certain things take place, after the comforter's taken out, because he promised his church, says, I won't leave you comfortless. But when this takes place, there's going to be a certain falling away as this gathering together. And this falling away and gathering together uh, is, is debated among many people. Was that a falling away the truth or the falling away the church? And my answer is yes. You can't have one without the other. Because he promised his church, I won't leave you comfortless. So this morning we'll look more at... Uh, uh, Who will be part of this bride as, as this rapture takes place? Uh, but who will be part of this bride? Will everybody in the church be part of this bride? And so we'll, we'll talk about that. But before we do, I want to, to, uh, to uh, uh, comment on a couple things. Because we'll be looking at some parables. And these parables uh, we're looking at... Uh, We'll be uh, talking about watching and so forth. So before we get into that, I want to talk a minute about watching. Uh, when we're watching for Jesus, what are we watching for? Are we getting binoculars? Are we looking up in the sky? You know, what are we watching for? What does it mean to watch? And I want to use a parable to, uh, uh, to uh, explain uh, the watching. And a parable, by the way, a parable, the word parable means throw down beside to compare. And we can communicate with parables. Buddy uh, likes to, a lot of times we'll be talking, we use parables to explain ourselves and everything. So, parable. I remember Gene Keaton used to say, now a parable, if you take it too far, it'll break down. And, and I know exactly what he meant. So, let me talk about a parable that I used for Dolores one time. So uh, I used a parable of baking a meatloaf. So uh, I'm not, I'm not going to teach you how to bake a meatloaf. I'm going to tell you some things. Probably some of it may be wrong. But anyway, so I guess first you get a 100 pound of hamburger, because I like beef, and you put it in a bowl, and maybe an egg. And then maybe you take some crackers and crumble them all up. Maybe some people use some oats with it, but you, you crush all those crackers and put them in there. And you take and you take a good sharp knife and you cut some onions up and maybe you cut some celery up and you put that in the meatloaf. And uh, I don't know what, so, uh, ketchup or, or uh, tomato paste or sauce or something like that and some seasonings. And I'm sure I've left part of it out. 
and then you take your hands, you get in there and mix it all up and everything. And then you take the oven and you uh, uh, set the oven maybe on 375 for so many minutes. And you put that meatloaf in there. And uh, that oven will kick on, get 375, and you can see the red burners in there. We don't have gas, and it'll kick off and kick on, kick off. And then you take it out, and if it didn't have enough ketchup on it, you put a little more ketchup on it. <laughs> so, one time, Dolores and I, so that's, that's, uh, that's what I think of and think of making a meatloaf. So Dolores and I was on vacation. This has been about 40 years ago, probably. And we had this orange boat. And Chuck had had a, a 302 Ford small block engine in it. And, uh, but it seemed like about every other year, uh, Gene would be out in this lake and the battery would start running down. And I got the world carrying two batteries. But the battery would be running down. And uh, in other words, the alternator wasn't working. So I'd get back home. This is again been about 40 years ago. You didn't just go buy one. You take it to the shop and you get the alternator rebuilt. And uh, a year or two later, I have the same thing again. And you get out there, and then the boat wouldn't start. Well, I'm carrying that second battery now. So we was going down the lake one time. So Dolores knew what knew a little bit of what it meant for the alternator to be not working properly. The boat didn't start. So we was going down the lake one time and uh, look at my volt there and everything. It was up like 14, kept going up, kept going up. And uh, told Dolores, I said, well, I said, we got a problem with the alternator. She said, I don't understand, it's starting fine. I said, well, I said, it's, it's charging uh, too much. She said, well, I don't understand, it's starting fine. So to her, alternator problem was it won't start, your battery's down. So I said, well, it's like it's, it's working too good. She said, well, how can it work too good? So I've got to communicate with her. So I thought, well, I'll do a parable. I said, okay. I said, now when you making a meatloaf, you put it in the oven, you set it on a certain temperature, you'll see that burner come on and that uh, it'll get red and everything, and it'll come on. And I said, then it'll kick off for a minute and go back down. It'll kick on, it'll kick off. And I said, what happens if it kicks on and don't kick off? She said, well, burn the meatloaf. I said, that's what's going to happen to our battery. <laughs> so a parable. And she understood then. But to take a, so the purpose of a parable is throw down beside to, com, to compare. So that's what we did. But as Gene Keaton said, as we look in the scriptures, if you try to carry it too far, it'll break down somewhere. So... If Dolores, and she didn't, she understood, but she could have said, well, what, what part did the breaking of the crackers have to do with the alternator? Or what part did the knife do, have to have a sharp knife to cut the onions? I could have said, uh, and, and there'll be tears coming out of your eyes and everything. She could have said, well, what part did the tears coming out of your eyes have to do with the alternator? So you understand a parable. She understood the parable. But if you tried to take and tear it down to all these little details, it wasn't meant for that. The parable has a specific purpose to compare that we might 
understand. That's, that's what it is. That's what a parable is. So we're going to be reading parable. Uh, now watching, before we get into it, we'll be, uh, as parables have to do with watching. So what, what, is, what is watching? Again, is it sitting on the front porch looking for the Lord or watching the news or watching up in the sky? How, do we, how does the servants of the Lord watch for the Lord? What does it mean? So I'll give another parable. Uh, many years ago, uh, I guess about 50 years ago, uh, I was working for Kroger. And uh, so there was, we, we found out that there were some dignitaries coming. And the regional manager was coming, and the vice president of the whole Kroger Corporation was coming to our store. Had never done that before, so it was a big thing. So uh, what we did, we knew, not the hour, but we knew about when the, this entourage was coming. Arrived in this great big long limousine and everything. But we'd been, in that store, we'd been working and making sure it was stocked and making sure it, it was clean. And, and I remember I went in the morning that they was going to come, went in, and that floor, it looked like glass. I, I was really amazed. The, the night crew really did something. The floor just, it was just, it was just amazing. So we had, we had went and... Uh, just everything, you know, we tried to make it perfect. And, and uh, I don't think they worry too much about it now, but back then, all the cans, you turn the label out to where you saw the label on the front. And I'm still scarred by that. If I go uh, put one of these coffee pods in the coffee pot, it's got to be turned, that label's got to be turned this way. And we got a little uh, thing set on the coffee pot with little drawers on it, we put the coffee pods in. Well, if I put them in there, they're all turned the same way and everything. But anyway, so that's what we did in the, in the store. And uh, so uh, we got the call. Okay, he's at this particular store. He's coming to ours next. So everything was done. There wasn't any work to do. We had everything done. So we went around looking at the shelves. Was there any can turned wrong? Was there, on the top of the price back when you used ink, was it clearly legible? If it wasn't, you put it in the back and put another one up there. So we was watching for the coming of these dignitaries. How was we watching? We wasn't all just setting out watching. We was doing the work that we were supposed to be doing. That's what watching is. Dolores had a similar thing when she worked at Ford. The big shots was coming in. They knew they was coming in. They got rid of all the artificial flowers, things like that, brought in real plants, and they done things like that as well. So that's, that's watching. That's what a servant, we weren't slaves, but we were servants, so to speak, uh, when we were working at Kroger's and Loris when she was working at Ford. We were servants, and that's how we was watching for the coming of these dignitaries. And that's what it means to, to, to watch. So we'll keep those things, keep that in mind, and even a parable, uh, what a parable is, uh, as, we, as we look at this. So, uh, so 
So we talked about those that would be uh, uh, taken out as far as a, uh, a rapture or a gathering together as we as stated in some places. So then, will all those be in the bride? Now, we said, uh, will the entire church be taken out? And I think that's kind of where we left off. I won't go back into that, but I'll just mention, will the entire church be taken out? And the answer is yes, but is everyone that we think is in the church in the church? So I believe the entire church will be taken out. But let's say if we go through the country today, all the Lord's true churches, everybody that's in those congregations, will every one of them be taken out? Well, uh, we can read... And it says that uh, they went out from us because they were not of us. And I'm not going back really into that. But there could be some that maybe in the past were part of us. Well, we thought they were part of us. They were sitting in the congregation. But they went out. And it says to manifest that they were never really of us. So because someone's sitting here doesn't mean that they're necessarily part of the church, necessarily. Uh, now, though, the question is, will all those, uh, all those, uh, let's see. Yeah, will all those be in the bride? All of, so those that will be in the rapture, that will be raptured out, I believe the Lord's true churches, will all of those be in the bride? And I believe the answer to that is no. And let's go to Matthew chapter 25. Parable. Parable of the ten virgins. And there's lots of different views on a lot of these scriptures. But the parable of the ten Virgins. And remember what a parable is. A parable, throw down beside to compare. There's a main point or a main teaching in the parable. Be careful. And I like many times in the scriptures, I like looking at the little things. I like looking at the us and the they, and the we, and the, the I. I. I like looking at that. But in a, parable, in a parable, be careful. I'm not concerned about what does it mean when the crackers was, was crumbled? <laughs> what does it mean? What, what does that knife mean when you slice that onion, that sharp knife? What does that mean? I had a purpose in telling Dolores in a meatloaf in the oven about our battery in our boat. So there's a main purpose in this. And let's don't miss that main purpose and confuse it with other things. There's a main purpose in this. So, uh, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. 
but all virgins. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Let me, let me say this in case I might forget it in a minute, but they all slumbered and slept. Uh, sometimes in the scriptures, the sleeping is a bad thing. But here, they all, the wise and the foolish, they all slept and slumbered. This is a picture of they were all felt secure and comforted. So they all slept. If you, uh, uh, Dolores, if we were sleeping outside in a tent at our house and we heard the coyotes, we probably wouldn't sleep very, sleep very much because the coyotes are really close and loud and everything. So we probably wouldn't sleep too much. Inside, Dad doesn't bother us too much. Feel uh, uh, safe and comfortable. Okay. Uh, and at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps have gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. And afterward came also other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Or, I left the word the out. Afterward also came the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I know you not. So I'm going to pause there. Uh, many things in this, and I don't, this is not telling us who's going to heaven, who's going to the lake of fire. It's a separation of the bride, who will be in the bride and who will be outside. Outside the bride doesn't mean they'll be in the lake of fire. And let me say this, as we study this, if we want to make a study, who's going to be in the lake of fire and who's not? Because as, we study, as, you, study these par as you study these parables in this area of the Bible, you're going to come up with the question, well, is this a lake of fire? Is that the lake of fire? Who's going to be in the lake of fire? That's an easy one to answer. You say it is? Yeah. Those that the Lord died to pay their sins won't be in the lake of fire. Those that he didn't will be. So there's that. Now that might not be the answer you want, but that's a true answer. So as we look at these, these virgins, one thing I want to note, they're all virgins. They're all pure and undefiled from the doctrines of the world. You say, well, it could be young maidens. Is it young maidens or is it virgins? It's the same thing. Young maidens, we look at that, and once they're defiled, then they're no longer the virgins. So as we look at that, 
these were all virgins. They're all pure and undefiled from the doctrines of the world, have on white garments. And they're all spared the great tribulation. They won't go, all ten of them are, are spared the great tribulation. They won't go through that. They will be raptured out, both the wise and the foolish. Now, to be a virgin here and not defiled with the doctrines of the world, the traditions, they had to be, have the leadership of the comforter. That what? Leads, guides, and directs into all truth. Otherwise, they wouldn't be a virgin. They'd be defiled uh, with the doctrines and commandments uh, of the world. So they've had to have the leadership of the comforter that they would not be defiled by the doctrines of the world. And again, I mentioned last week, we say, well, you start out that way, believing some falsehoods and everything, or maybe under the law, then how can you be a virgin if you were defiled first? The new man. Okay? So clearly, here in this parable, all will not be in the bride. It's, it's very clear, all will not be in the bride. So there's a difference of reward, if you will. But all will not be of the bride is very clear. Why? So again, we can take this down. Well, what, was, what does it mean crushing the crackers? What does it mean tears coming out of your eyes when you're cutting the onion? What does all that stand for? We have to be careful. It's a parable. It's teaching something. I heard an argument on this one time. Well... Uh, let me state that. I've heard a, a lot believe this way, and I used to believe this way too. Oil, many times, does represent the comforter. So we'll look at this parable, and they say, well, said uh, they didn't have any oil. They didn't have the comforter. But they, the foolish went to the wise, give us of your oil. And Jan, that, when they were looking, they said the oil was a comforter. So these went to the wise and said, give us of your oil or give us a comforter. It didn't make sense. How many, and I believe that the, the, the comforter, the Lord placed it in his church on the day of Pentecost. It was passed down, link chain. So the comforter is in the Lord's churches. So would a true church, when someone's wanting to be part of that body where the comforter is, we tell them, no? I, it just didn't make any sense to me. Just... I, it just didn't fit. It just did not make sense that the oil was a comforter. And you can say, well, what was the oil? And I can say, what did crushing the crap crackers represent? What did crying as you slicing the onion represent? We're teaching, the parable's teaching something here. Verse 13 explains it. 
Verse 13 tells us the reason of this parable, if we don't complicate it. What does the crushing of the crackers mean? What does the tears as you cut the onion mean? What does the knife that cuts the onion mean? Verse 13 explains it. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man cometh. That's what the parable's teaching. Watching. Watching. What is watching? We already talked about that. That's the reason I've brought that up before. What is watching? Doing the labor of a servant. Out of love. That's what watching is. So in this parable, you know, you could break it down. What does the crunch crushing of the crackers mean? What does the tears as you get the onion mean? What does sharp knife mean? Uh, We can look at all that, but it tells us here. Watch. That's what the whole thing is talking about, watching. Watching. And again, we know what the watching is. Doing the work of a servant. You say you're talking about works. Uh, What does the word servant mean? (laughs) If it doesn't mean work. I'm not talking about working for our salvation. And let me, let me make something else clear in case I forget. And we're going to look at some of these watching that I believe is works. But we're going to look at this. And these works or this watching does not make you part of the bride. What makes part of the bride is the choices made by Jesus Christ and our Father. Now, this watching, those that are watching, those that are doing this work of a servant, that's a manifestation that these are ones that the Lord has chosen to be part of his bride. So the works don't get you there. It's a manifestation that you are part of the bride. Uh, Let me, let me ask this. I, I made a statement. Okay, the oil, if that represented the comforter, and they went to the wise, said, give us of your oil. No, we can't do that. And again, I can't picture a true church telling one, no, we can't, we can't make you part of this body where you can be led by this comforter. It just, just does not fit. Does not fit. What, can, what can't we give? What can't we give? Those, Betty, if you're watching and you're doing work of a servant, you can't give that to me. You can't add that to my account. Can't, can't, can't do it. Just can't do it. Can't put that to my account. Now, I may benefit by her study through our fellowship, but her watching can't be put to my account. It just can't. Matthew chapter 24. And again, I'm not going through all these parables. Remember, they are parables. Remember the purpose of the parable. It has a teaching. Don't get bogged down into what does the crushing of the crackers mean? What does the tears when you cut the onion mean? Don't get bogged down in that. 
But what is, is thrown down beside to compare what's a teaching? What is a teaching? So, uh, Matthew chapter uh, 24, and let's start in verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not uh, the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah, they, uh, so shall be uh, the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the, into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the meal, one shall be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, with our binoculars, with the telescope. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the household had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have allowed his house to be uh, broken into. Uh, therefore, be ye ready. And I'm going to read a scripture if I don't run out of time. I want you to remember that be ready. Be re what does that mean, be ready? For at such hours ye think not the Son of Man uh, uh, cometh. Who, who then is a faithful and wise servant? Who is Lord hath made ruler over his household and to give them food in due season. Remember all this. Remember all this. Remember the being ready. Remember the giving food uh, to the servants. And remember the wise, of course. Well, we already know the wise and the foolish. But remember this. Uh, given food to give in due season and so forth. Remember this. Blessed is that servant who his Lord, when he cometh, finding so doing. Doing what? All giving this food. To his servants. Blessed is uh, that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Doing the work of a servant. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. I think that would look forward to the millennial reign. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in the hour... Uh, that he is not aware. Now remember, we're looking at wise and foolish. And shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this is talking about, in verse 42, watch. Therefore, watch. We could go, and I, I don't think I have time, the parable of the talents. He gave one, 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 five, or one, two, and the other five. Gave him his, his talents. I believe gave him, well, uh, maybe we'll get, see that in a minute in 1 John. 
Then he went away and he came back. And the one that had five gained five other. The one that had two gained two other. The one buried in the earth did not prosper with it at all, did not grow. I used to think buried in earthly wisdom, but I don't, I, I don't believe that's correct. Fact was, he didn't do anything with the talent that his Lord gave him. Didn't do anything with it. I've got what I need. I know my salvation. Didn't do anything with it. Uh, but it was, again, it, it was watching there as well. So, so as we look at these, and, and we won't have time to go into to all these other parables, but as we look at these, again, it's not determining here who's going to lake afar and who's not. These that we've looked at this morning is talk about, it's very clear. It's very clear what the parable it tells us. The parable is all about watching. Not how the crush the crackers and how the tears come when you, when you cut the onion. It's very clear. It's talking about watching. And we know what watching is. Now, again, this watching, which is work, that doesn't make you part of the bride. The Lord chooses and has chosen. That work, that labor is a manifestation that you will be part of the bride, that you are those that he has chosen. So we may have the thought, well, I want to do all these things so I can be part of the bride. And we might think that way. I want to do this for the reason that I can be part of the bride. Is that not a little bit selfish? How about this? I want to be of the bride because that will be a manifestation that I love the Lord. That's the reason we want to watch that's the reason we want to do the work of a servant, because of our love for the Lord. Not because of our love for ourselves. Now, there will be rewards. But it shouldn't be done that we get the reward. It should be done our love of the Lord. Should, well, should it not? When he, the Lord talked to Peter, Peter, do you love me? What was, the, what was the manifestation of his love? Or what would be the manifestation of his love? Feed my sheep. We read, didn't we read there about when servant, uh, uh, feeding uh, the servants and everything? So Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. So, do we want to, we're talking about feeding the sheep, we're talking about giving the truth the Lord has given us. Buddy, you and I have talked about that as we talk about love, and we may touch on it if we have, if we have a minute. Do we say, okay, here's someone that uh, uh, doesn't have the truth, 
And the Lord creates the occasion where we can give them this truth. Do we do it so we'll get a reward? So we'll be in the bride? Or we do it for the love of the Lord and His sheep? If this is one of His sheep, that's how we love the Lord anyway. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. You can't separate the two. So, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. That's what we saw there, the wise servant. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom the Lord hath made ruler over his always household, to give them food in due season? Who's that wise? The one that's feeding the sheep. I want to read this in 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. Remember we read in one of the scriptures, uh, be ready, about being ready. Those that were ready. Those that were ready. First Peter, chapter 3, and verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready. And be ready always. For what? To give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. So, as anyone, as, as the Lord would lead and call someone to ask you of the reason of the hope that's within you. Now, this is not a maybe hope. I got my fingers crossed. I hope I make it. No, that hope is a desire with expectation to receive that which you desired. I have a hope of eternal life. Don't mean I've got my fingers crossed. But I have a desire that I'll have eternal life, and I have an expectation that I'll have that eternal life. Why would I expect that? Because Jesus died on the cross for my sins. That's why. So, Someone ask you of the hope that's within you. The Lord creates that occasion. That he leads someone to you to ask you the reason of the hope that's within you. It says, be ready. Be ready always. How are we ready Where, as we study here this morning, as we come here to study and to fellowship, we may learn another scripture here that, that talks about the way our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. All this study is watching, is being ready. To give an answer to those that ask us of the hope within us. And give is also a point there too. Uh, I think, let's go to, uh, uh, to 1 John chapter 3 real quick. 1 John chapter 3. And... Uh, so now, we're talking about love. 
Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. That's a manifestation of love. So here, uh, 1 John 3, and let's go to verse 11. For this is a message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. What, what is this love? Uh, well, it's, actually, this makes it pretty clear as well. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and killed his brother. And why killed he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. So what, Cain and Abel, it was, it was their works that made a difference there. Abel offered a blood sacrifice. Cain offered a bloodless sacrifice. You can talk about the fruit and everything like that, fruit of the ground and everything, but it was a bloodless sacrifice. All the things he offered from his garden or whatever, it was a bloodless sacrifice. Abel's was a blood sacrifice, and that's why he killed him. No love. No love is, is, is the key here. <clears throat> uh, 13, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you, for you know that ye have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. How do we, what's this love the brethren? What's loving the Lord? Feed my sheep. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. By this perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And we could talk a lot about that. He laid his life down for us. So does that mean we have to go physically, be crucified or something? What's that mean? No, we lay, whenever we talk to those and tell them the reason, the hope within us, we lay our life down. We lay our life aside. Say, it's not because of anything that I've done. It's because of what Jesus Christ did. That's how we lay down our life for the brethren. We, we put our life, it's not because of what we've done, it's because of what Jesus did. Uh, and then verse 17. But whosoever hath this world's good. Now the Lord uh, corrected me on this one time. I used to say this world's goods. But it's not. The good is singular. The world is its possession. It's talking about a particular world. There's a particular world, and let me just say this. It's the world of the Lord's true churches and those that he's called into those. But whosoever has this world's good, what is it that he's given to his saints and his servants that we can call good? The truth. That's, that's all we got that we can call good. Now, we could take up a collection. <clears throat> we could give turkeys away here in a few weeks to people and everything like that. Is that the good? Is that the love? Is that feeding the sheep? Do you think that's what he's telling Peter? No, he's telling about feeding the truth. Feed my sheep, not, not a, a, a physical food and everything like that. We wouldn't call that good but his truth that he's given us. Uh, Whosoever has this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? And the fact is, at that point, it doesn't. If it doesn't give him this good that the Lord has given him. My little children, let us, love not, in, uh, let us uh, not love in word, but in tongue, in deed, and in truth. 
that's how uh, we would love indeed. Peter, you love me? Feed my sheep. Turkeys? Hams? I like all that, by the way. But feed my sheep. Feeding the good that the Lord has given his servants to give. Uh, and then uh, 23, and this is a commandment that we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ, on the, his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave commandment. What does it mean to love one another? Trade the talent that the Lord has given you. And I, I think that is, is so clear as we have the conferences, as people gather around from different parts of the country. And we trade the talents that the Lord has given. We trade the good that the Lord has given us. And we grow by this. Uh, let's see. 20, uh, 23, and this is commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave his commandment. And he that keepeth his commandment dwelleth in him, and he in him, and by this we know that he abideth in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So, over and over we see this love, giving him this good. And it's not turkeys and hams. I don't know how good. Well, turkey's probably good for you. I don't know about the ham. That's pork and all that. I don't know about that. But the good is the truth that the Lord has given us. Share. Share that talent. Don't bear it in the earth. We're to share it. Be ready always. Give an answer to those that ask of the reason, the hope within you. Uh, so we study. And we assemble. And all this is part part of our getting ready as we grow in wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that we give and we share to those that ask us of the reason of the hope within us. So we give. And, and when we read that in Peter, uh, be ready always to give. Give. Not store it up. You remember the one had these riches and, and had all these, uh, uh, his, his crop brought forth so much? That he couldn't even, uh, uh, his barns didn't even have a place to store it all. And again, it's a parable. Rather than giving, he stored it up for himself. Or buried it in the earth. So, is it talking about works? Certainly, that's what a servant does. But we understand what the work is and why it is. It's not <coughs> for the salvation of our soul. It's not even for us, but we work because of our love for the Lord, that we would give this good that he has given us. And boy, can't you see it in some? They have no idea. They have no idea of the way of salvation. Don't have a clue. They think it's all about what we do. But again, lay down that life. It's not what we do. It's what the Lord Jesus Christ did. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We are dismissed.